The views, opinions, and advice expressed in this podcast are solely those of the guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and positions of Patterson Media or the sponsors of this program. Wellness is... Some diseases, psoriasis, for example, which is a common skin condition, can have the same effects in terms of quality of life as heart disease. And it's a bigger hit, a bigger fall, a longer stay at the bottom. And I kept thinking, maybe I'm going to be okay. What can I do to best love myself? And it's you putting in the work to figure out those things. To me, that is self-care. Consider making a playlist of energy songs that's going to help you mood lift. Welcome to Choosing Wellness, your one-stop shop for practical advice about how to attain better physical and mental well-being so that instead of just surviving, you're thriving. Choosing Wellness is powered by Pattison Media. In this series, we'll share a health journey and explore the trends and talk to the experts that will help you live your best life and have fun doing it. In this episode, your skin health, unlocking the water dilemma, like how much is enough, the meaning of life with Stephanie Staples, and a being real story on a cosmetic company that's changed lives. I'm Linda Freeman. Come join the journey of choosing wellness. Health Tags Social media is part of our daily life. And let's face it, there's a lot of noise out there. We use hashtags to help find content related to specific topics. So we've created health tags. Like hashtags, we explore what's trending in the world of wellness. Jason Rivers is a dermatologist in Vancouver, British Columbia. He trained in Canada, England, and the United States, as well as Australia. And for over 30 years, he's been practicing in Vancouver. He was a full-time faculty member with the University of British Columbia for 17 years, and Pacific Derm is his own practice in Vancouver with a focus on both medical and aesthetic dermatology. He's also the past president of the Canadian Dermatology Association. Dr. Rivers, thank you for joining us. You've done so much. You know so much. But can we talk about the correlation between someone's self-esteem and confidence and their skin? So skin diseases can have a major impact on people's self-esteem. The skin is really, as I say to everybody, a window to our inner world and reflects back on how we are, how we feel. And really, quite frankly, every organ system in our body can be expressed in a skin condition. There's thousands of skin conditions that we learn as dermatologists, and they can all impact different parts of the body, whether it's endocrine, whether it's infectious disease, whether it's related to joints, all kinds of things. That's why it's so interesting. I mean, it's fascinating, really. But what are some of the major skin conditions you see affecting health and how people feel about themselves? Some diseases like psoriasis, for example, which is a common skin condition, can have the same effects in terms of quality of life as heart disease, diabetes, and other illnesses like depression even. For example, rosacea is a condition where the face is very red. It may have acne-like pimples. People flush a lot. 
They can be quite embarrassed and I've had patients who literally have not got out of the house for months at a time because they're so embarrassed by how their skin looks. The skin is the body's largest organ. It's an organ that needs nutrients and self-care. So we really should put high importance on taking care of it, right? It really does more than just serve as a way to hold all your muscles and joints and internal organs from the outside. It's not just a barrier, but it's a functioning organ. And the skin can repair itself for quite a while, but after repeated insults, it breaks down and it can't do this so often. And so we start seeing change of the skin. The skin becomes thinner, it becomes drier, it becomes more mottled with pigmentation. So the best way, first of all, is to protect yourself from excess sun exposure. The second thing is that environmental pollutants also play a role in skin health. So keeping the skin clean is also a good tenant to adopt. So keeping your skin clean, keeping it protected are the basic tenets of skin health. What about nurturing the skin from the inside out? The body needs a certain amount of components to make everything function properly, and a significant or severe deficiency can result in changes to your skin. Like, for example, vitamin C deficiency can result in scurvy, which can result in changes that you see in the skin. Vitamin B deficiencies, the same thing, I think called pellagra. So there's all kinds of different vitamin deficiencies, but the opposite, putting in hyper amounts of supplements and vitamins, there's not a lot of good information to suggest it makes a big difference to your skin. And maybe potentially not good for other organs in the body if you overdo it. So there's a difference between applying it topically and I'm talking about collagen, vitamin C, retinol, compared to taking it orally. The issue is when you put something on your skin, you have to ensure that it's going to get through the skin. So retinols do go into the skin or retinoids. Vitamin C can go into the skin and they can have a positive local effect. But it's going to be slow and it's going to be mild initially and you have to see changes over a prolonged period of time. Oral agents act differently at different parts of the body. Using collagen topically onto the skin or even by mouth, I believe is of limited benefit. And the studies that show that it does something are not large studies, they're not well-conducted studies, in my opinion, and they're open to a lot of interpretation when they say there are positive results. Collagen, remember, is basically what you consume when you're eating different types of foods, and those collagens are made of amino acids, and those amino acids get broken down into your stomach and sent to different parts of your body and used appropriately. That's not just going to your skin and making you look like you're five years younger. For people who suffer from acne, do you have any advice? With the issue related to acne, in this situation, we have a disease that tends to fluctuate spontaneously. So you may have a good couple of weeks and a bad couple of weeks. In women, there may be fluctuation with the menstrual cycle. So all these things play into the treatments, and that is it's hard for somebody to really be categorical and say that, yes, this definitely helped me when you have a disease that fluctuates on its own anyway. Same thing with psoriasis, rosacea, eczema. They all tend to wax and wane to some degree, depending on the environmental situations or life stresses, etc. 
Aesthetic medicine focuses on altering cosmetic appearance through the treatment of conditions from scars and wrinkles to liver spots and spider veins. And it is a vastly growing business, isn't it? It's becoming much more safe, scientifically driven, and we can see results that are highly impactful, both to the clinician who sees it, but more important to the patient themselves. And now a lot of clinical trials are requiring patient-reported outcomes. So how does it impact you, the patient who's receiving the treatment? Not just, yes, you look like you can squint a little less, but rather, how does it make you feel? If somebody is looking better and their skin looks good, their self-esteem goes up, their self-confidence goes up, and they feel better about themselves. So you are interconnecting all these things. I have a medical student who's just working with me on a paper to show that not only is it just the skin in the mind, but there's actually the pathway to that. There are certain what we call cytokines, which are inflammatory mediators, which are active both in the skin and they can cause depression. And if you treat the skin, you can sometimes reduce the depression in people and vice versa. So there's this interesting interconnected pathway between the skin and the brain, which has a scientific basis. Thank you, Dr. Rivers. The global aesthetic medicine market was valued at $16.5 billion US in 2022. To share in the discussion about healthy skin, tag us using hashtag health tag. Being real. When seasons change and spring hits, there's often the sensation of a new beginning. Meet Donna Brittingham, founder of Bully Blocker Cosmetic and Natural Clean Beauty Skin Care and Makeup. At one point, Donna felt like her life was crumbling. It was a time she felt there was no hope. This is Donna's story. This is being real. When my divorce happened, I was turning 50. Actually, it was right before my 50th birthday. And so you're kind of thinking your life shouldn't be that way and it shouldn't. You've now gone through maybe other crises in your life and you feel that nothing can really stop you. And suddenly you get stopped again and things change again. And there's a lot of anger, a lot of feelings of betrayal and things that shouldn't be like this at this time in my life. I should be reaping the rewards of all the good things I've done, all the hard work I've put into things. And yet I'm even maybe in a worse position than I was any other time in my life. And it's a bigger hit, a bigger fall, a longer stay at the bottom. And I kept thinking, maybe I'm gonna be okay. I have love around me, I have people supporting me, but I kept falling and kept going deeper and deeper. And I think maybe with age comes the ability to encapsulate yourself from harmful elements for a period of time while you're in that place. When you're younger, maybe you don't do that, and maybe you don't go so deep. But for me, even when I was starting to feel the hope on the other side, because you kind of go numb for a while, while you put your life back together, I thought I was just never going to be okay. I couldn't get in a car without looking for a sad station just to help me cry more. <laughs> you know, it was sort of like my friend. And it was like my office in my therapy zone where no one could see me. Maybe that's what cars are made for because that's the only place in the world you can really be so truly private. And you'll hear any random song that maybe gives you hope or facilitates whatever your feelings might be happening with you. And I just think the sense of music actually 
either makes you sad or helps you down that or else makes you feel empowered for the moment of wherever you're going. Every time I started feeling better, that life was going to be good, the next day it would be bad again. And one day I was just in the elevator going down and I faced a real illness and some things stressfully, financial, almost lost my business, had to hang on for dear life and ask for help from anyone that could help me to stay on my feet. I'd get up, I'd go have lunch with people. I was drinking more than I needed to. It was sort of a daily routine to go to lunch and get dressed. And those were things I did when I felt bad because I wanted people to see I was still normal and I was lost. People were saying, you look great, you seem great, but you're just not yourself anymore. And I said, I don't think that self will ever come back. And that brought such a sadness to me to think, I may never be the person they knew me to be. That was a loving person, excitement and fun and joyful and giving and all of those things were gone. And even though I could pretend everything was good and even pretending to myself, I thought it was good until my mother at one time, she said, you know, I just, it makes me so sad because I feel like part of you is gone. You're not the same person. And it just broke my heart because I thought, I don't know how to be the same person because nothing's the same anymore. And I'd get angry at people because they expected me to be the same Donna that I was before my divorce, before my company, before nervous breakdown things happened. And everybody could applaud you for looking good and for keeping it all together on the outside. But once they see that you really aren't there, the people that are close to you, that's when you lose hope. I didn't have a purpose. I don't have children. I wasn't married, so I was sort of purposeless. And I just started playing around with what could I do? I'm loving on social media. Maybe I'm just going to play around with inventing this mineral-based product. And for some reason, I don't even know why I thought I could do it. I have no idea why I named it Bully Blocker, really. But something in me just felt like this was a beacon for me to hang on to. It never had an expectation. It never had. I'm never going to make money from it. But for some reason, I was just hanging on to this idea that I could do this, whatever it was I was trying to do. And as I started developing more and more products and started being in these female groups, I would meet people that were professionals that were going through difficult times, deaths, divorce. And I just felt a connection to everyone the minute I met them. And I thought, oh my God, I found my people. People that relate to the things that I have gone through and I relate to what they've gone through. And it's a very different conversation when you find that group, when you find those people. And so as I've gone through the process of this company for three years, I've met so many women going through hard times. And every time they say, well, I've got my bully blocker, I'm going to keep the bullies away. And it's just sort of a thing that started having a whole different meaning than what the products really were. So they were really meant to keep the elements from damaging your face. But people were sort of relating it to, I feel good and I feel like a woman again and I feel protected and I feel good. Some of these women, they have written me notes, text messages, and I feel like I've met my best friend. We stay in touch. They tell me about their process and what's going on. And one of them said, I'm doing great, but your message just resonated with me from this party we were at and when you helped me put on some makeup and helped me pull it all together, so it's really going to sound weird, but I feel like bully blocker is like a magic wand. I feel like I'm protected and I've got 
my magic wand with me and my protection. And I'm bully blocked because she said, I'm an adult person. And I feel like my ex-husband was bullying me and I'm not going to let that happen. I feel like my job was not to build a makeup company. It was to get myself and my story somewhere. And that has just become the vehicle that we can all relate to something and it brings us together and it gives me sort of a voice that I wouldn't have. And I just know it keeps continuing, getting bigger and the stories get better about the participation of the brand in someone's mind and heart and experience. And I will just start crying sometimes because I just can't believe that this is my life when I thought life was over. Nobody believed I could do anything with it. My life has changed so much and I just can't even be more grateful. There's not more great gratitude in the universe to explain how I feel most of the time. And so I'm glad to be able to tell the story. Reliving it for me has actually been so healing. Thank you, Donna, for being real, for opening up and sharing your story on losing hope, but coming out on the other side. How to choose wellness. The World Health Organization defines self-care as the ability of individuals, families, and communities to promote health, prevent disease, maintain health, and to cope with illness and disability with or without the support of a healthcare provider. Now you can interpret that many different ways, but according to this definition, self-care pretty much includes everything related to staying physically healthy, including your hygiene, your nutrition, and seeking medical care when needed, and really taking care of yourself so you can stay physically, mentally, and emotionally well. And research suggests self-care promotes positive health outcomes such as fostering resilience, living longer, and becoming better equipped to manage stress. Now I put all that in there because we hear about self-care all the time and there's just so much around it. And just that little intro or not so little intro tells you how much there is around self-care. So I wanna introduce everyone to Cassie Butcher, who teaches women how to practice self-care unapologetically while building their self-confidence so they can live a peaceful lifestyle. I love how you've put that. It's so important and welcome to choosing wellness. So let's start off. There's so much to uncover here. How would you describe self-care? I love the definition that you actually started out with because I believe that that is self-care, but I think it's a little bit deeper. So yes, it's doing all of these things to care for your physical health, your mental health, and your emotional health. But the self-care aspect of it is figuring out what those specific things are pertaining to yourself. So what you need for physical wellness may not be what I need for physical wellness. So really that self-word is you doing the work to say, well, what is my physical wellness? What is my mental wellness? What is my emotional wellness? What is my spiritual wellness? Not what society is telling me that it is. It's me doing the work to figure out what can I do to best support my nervous system? What can I do to best love myself? And it's you putting in the work to figure out those things. To me, that is self-care. You made a good point there because you also mentioned self-love. And I think sometimes people ask the question, is self-care and self-love the same 
or are they different? They're different. Self-care is what you do because you love yourself. You're saying, hey, I'm doing the healing. I'm doing the inner work. I'm doing the therapy. I'm doing the nutrition because I love my body. And I know that if I don't put certain foods into it, my body's going to start to drag. I'm going to go get the mental support that I need because without this, I know that my mind is not going to be in its best state. Self-care is the things that you do because you love yourself, because you want to make sure you're okay. You want to live a life of really choosing yourself and putting yourself first and giving yourself that peace that you deserve. I love how you put that and the fact that you talked about that self-love piece first. Do you think that that is why it's so hard for people to give self-care is because they don't love themselves enough or they don't feel that they're important enough to give themselves that self-care? Absolutely. And I don't think it's their fault. We live in a world that teaches us to serve other people first. You're never really taught to serve yourself when you're little. Share your toys. When you're little, that's not nice. Be helpful. You are not really taught to like do something for yourself. You're always taught to include other people in almost every single decision that you make. But when you make the decision, you're primarily the only person living with it. You're like stuck with it. You're the one who's like feeling the icky stuff that other people aren't really thinking of. It's you. So that's why I think self-care is important because you really have to think of yourself and prioritize yourself. Like just that whole word, it's self. Self-care is not for other people. So that's why when people get into the mode of saying like they feel guilty or oh my gosh, or this is selfish and it's like, you're supposed to do this for yourself. And it feels uncomfortable because society teaches you to put everyone else first. That's why it feels uncomfortable. You didn't grow up being taught to put yourself first because that's seen as rude. That's seen as selfish. That's seen as bad. When you, when you choose yourself, it doesn't benefit other people. You're now a threat to society. You're now a threat to the norm. And people are going to add negative connotations to the things that you do until it starts benefiting other people. And what's crazy in all of that is... The fact that when we do self-care, we're not being selfish. We're actually doing the best thing we possibly can for ourselves. Therefore, once we are good and we're giving ourselves that self-care, then we can really be in a place to help others. Yeah. One of the things that I've learned too is that it's okay to be selfish sometimes. Yeah. Selfish only has a negative connotation because like I said, it doesn't benefit other people. But sometimes you have to be selfish in order to be able to reset your nervous system or get the rest that you need. So selfish isn't always a bad thing, but we've been taught that it is because we live in a society that doesn't want you to put yourself before everyone else 24 seven. And there has to be a healthy balance with it. I will say, yeah, definitely. But it's up to you to do that work to figure out that healthy balance. It is that balance and it's understanding that we do need to be selfish sometimes and it's okay to say no. It's really hard for many people to say no to things. And when they do, they do feel like they're being selfish, but that's probably a good thing because if you don't want to do something, you probably shouldn't be doing it. Not only are we told that no is a bad word, if someone tells us no, we think that that's them telling us that they don't love us and they don't care about us. But sometimes a no is a really good thing. One of the things that I often tell my clients 
is that rejection can sometimes be redirection. If you tell me no now and then I go explore another route, I might end up liking that route 10 times better and would have never got to experience that had you told me yes or whatever the case may be. So no is not always a bad word. How do we change the way we are? Like, can you guide us through the process of putting yourself first and not feeling bad about it? Something that I like to do with my clients is I like to start by unpacking why you don't put yourself first. And the more you unpack that, the more you realize you don't have a good enough reason not to put yourself first. And people are like, well, it's because I'm a mom. It's because I have kids or I have to do X, Y, and Z. But what I'm saying is you probably are not even going to be as effective as you want to be in that job, in that role, at your parenting, if you're not tending to yourself. Sometimes you really have to find that balance between remembering that you're a person before you're anything else. You don't become a parent and then all of a sudden lose access to regular human emotions. You don't become a mom and lose your right to get mad and lose your right to get sad and lose your right to be exhausted and lose your right to want to be left alone. You're human. You cannot stop human emotions from showing up in human experiences and recognizing that and being honest like, I do love my child, but I want like a day off. It's okay to not want to be around your partner or your kids or people sometimes. Sometimes we just want to be alone. I think it would help a lot of us. Now, mind you, I mean, the last few years, there's been a lot of alone time, maybe too much alone time for some people, right? It is finding some of that space for just you. I read some research around how people who have suffered with some self-esteem in their younger years, and they're always trying to please other people, and they become these people pleasers. And then it's really hard for them to find time for themselves because they don't want to let people down. And I wanted to talk just for a moment about the difference between self-confidence and self-esteem. When it comes to self-esteem, I think of self-esteem as how you feel about yourself and self-confidence, what you believe you can do. And when they work together, they work beautifully. If I'm feeling good and I think I can do something, my day is 10 times better. But if I'm feeling bad and I don't have the confidence, I'm going to start doubting myself and talking down on myself. And no one in this world can better negative talk you than yourself. The person who can find everything to like really tear you down is you because you live with you. So you know your insecurity. And so that's why it's very important for you to learn how to show yourself grace. We give everyone else the benefit of the doubt except for ourselves. Like when's the last time you gave yourself the benefit of the doubt? We put these titles on ourselves. Mother, brother, sister, friend, wife, husband. And then we just start drilling ourselves of like, if you don't match everything that's quote unquote perfect under this title, you're unworthy, you're horrible. And it's like, no, that's not true. You're someone who was learning how to operate in that title within your life. You are learning how to be a mom, learning how to be a mom while being an employee or an entrepreneur. Like you are navigating so many different streams. And I think we don't take the time to reflect on that. There's a lot to it. There's a lot going on and it's your mental and your physical well-being and just wellness in general, eating well, exercising, all those things are important ways to give yourself self-care. 
So Cassie, how do you help bring self-care perspective to others? I literally help them recognize all the factors about themselves. And then once we work through that, let's develop a self-care game plan of strategizing of what are some things that you can do that you know, this is what makes me feel better or feel at ease, or this will allow me to take a pause, a break really quick. What are those things that you can do that you know can bring you back when you feel like you're falling off a ledge? Everything is about learning, right? And I think too, not taking a big bite of everything all at once in the sense of, oh, I have to eat this way. I have to exercise this amount of time because that's not good self-care either. It's overall wellness. And I think that that's what we're starting to see more and more of a shift to is that people understand we need to give time to ourselves. We need to help ourselves mentally and physically. People go cold turkey and they're like, I'm going to eat well. I'm going to sleep well. I'm going to clean up. I'm going to do laundry. You're not going to do any of it. Because you're putting 1,200 things to do at once. You have to baby step your way into that. You know what? I'm going to start by maybe journaling once a week. And then if I can prove to myself that I can be consistent with that, all right, maybe I'll journal two days out of the week. You have to baby step your way into anything that's going to be new for you. You can't just walk in like, I'm ready. Yeah. There's a lot of fundamental learning you still got to do. Your journey is so much like so many, like you ended an emotionally draining and toxic relationships and that really helped you rediscover who you are and put you on the path to what you're doing and that is helping others. You found your gift in your path through your own personal experiences and now you're sharing it with others. For whoever is listening to this, just dive into thinking about what is self-care for me and allow yourself to self-reflect Allow yourself to step into self-discovery because then that's how you find your self-care game plan. That's how you figure out what it is that you need to hear, to see, and to feel, to really operate in that aspect of wellness so you can start seeing more of the peace that you desire in your life. So, yeah. (laughs) That's beautiful. Thanks. Life Unlocked. You've probably heard the advice to drink eight glasses of water a day, or maybe it's 10 or 12. So how much water or fluids do you really need in a day? It's a simple question with no easy answer. A lot depends on where you live, how active you are, your overall health, and over the past decade, studies have been all over the map. There's no one size fits all when it comes to water. There's a new study out today that found that drinking eight cups of water a day maybe isn't necessary. Let's bring in Dr. Akshay Sile. There's no magic number here that you have to hit 64 ounces of water. And this study looked at over 5,000 people and, and how often the water was being what they call turned over in their body, meaning they tracked the water from the time you drank it and from the time it left your body in, in urine. And, you know, what they found is there's really no magic number here. The, the key is to listen to your body. You know, if you're thirsty, have a drink, but don't go running for the water, you know, just because you think you need it. Water makes up about 50 to 70% of your body weight, and your body depends on water to survive. For your body to properly work, it needs water. When you don't get enough, you can get dehydrated, and that's a condition that can drain your energy and make you tired or worse. Now we lose water through breathing, sweating, peeing and pooping, yeah. So it's vital that you replenish your water supply by consuming beverages and foods that contain water. Here's what I could find out. 
As a rough guideline, the Dietitians of Canada suggest 2.2 liters or 9 cups per day for women and 3 liters or 12 cups for men. And according to the U.S. National Academies of Sciences, Engineering and Medicine, an adequate daily fluid intake is about 3.7 liters for men and 2.7 liters for women. So they're pretty close. You don't need to rely just on water to meet your fluid needs. Watermelon and spinach are almost 100% water by weight, and beverages such as milk, juice, herbal teas, and even caffeinated drinks can contribute to your daily fluid intake. Keep in mind, if you exercise, are in hot, humid conditions, if you're sick or pregnant, you will likely need to up your intake. Now, earlier in the podcast, we heard from Dr. Jason Rivers on skin health, and he has this to say about water intake. Everybody talks about drinking 12 glasses of water a day. I'm not sure everybody needs that, quite frankly. At a certain point in time, you drink a lot, you pee a lot. It's maybe good for your kidneys and it keeps you hydrated to some degree. But your body is in pretty good homeostasis. It balances itself pretty nicely throughout the days. And I've seen patients who've drank so much that they literally had seizures because they've diluted their blood so much that their sodium level drops and they have seizures as a result of that. So you have to be careful to not overdo things. Drinking too much water is rarely a problem for healthy adults, but if you do drink too much, your kidneys can't get rid of the excess water and you can become hyponatremic, which can actually be life-threatening. So no gulping liters at a time, drink healthy liquids throughout the day and eat well. And being in tune with your body will help you know if you're getting enough fluids. You shouldn't feel thirsty and your pee should be colorless or light yellow. Now speak to your doctor or dietitian. They can help you determine how much water and fluid you need in a day. Life Unlimited with Stephanie Staples. It's time to recharge, re-energize, and revitalize with our nurse-turned-motivational speaker, Stephanie Staples. So glad to have you back. So excited to be here. Every day I get to talk to Linda is a good day. And vice versa. (laughs) So, you know, I just want to talk to you about life. Oh, that's one of my favorite topics. I actually have an acronym for life. And yeah, it kind of helps me be a little happier, be a little healthier and have better relationships. So I'd love to talk with you about my version of life if you'd like to. I love how you're breaking this down and giving us something to think about. What does life mean to each of us? Now, I'm curious at this moment what life means to you. And let's use the example to help others. So my L in life stands for linger. The I stands for inspiration. The F stands for fun. And the E stands for energy. Now, bear in mind that I have just made this up and you could make up your own acronym for better mental health or whatever it is you want based on things that you love and that are important to you as well. But these are the ones I made up for me. And sometimes the L stands for love, but today it stands for linger. (laughs) I like it. And I like that there's some flexibility in life. There should be, right? I love the way you put that. I've been really focusing on linger and maybe you've read some of the stuff they're talking about awe, like finding yourself in places of awe is supposed to be really, really wonderful for you in many different ways. And what I notice with a lot of people, myself included, is that we 
maybe I don't know if you are, Linda, but many people are in a hurry <laughs> a lot. We're like constantly going from one thing to another, to another, to another, to another. And we pass by things all the time and we do things without even thinking we're on automatic pilot. And if I asked you, when is the last time you lingered? What would you tell me? I am a lingerer. Congratulations. I'm a yoga teacher as well. And I tell this to my students all the time, like really open your eyes and see what's around you. There's so much beauty in the world and we're always way, way, way too fast. So let me just share an experience that I had with a group. I was on a group hike. We were on Saturna Island. It was on this ridge trail. It was just gorgeous. Maybe 15 people. And I said to everybody, hey, what would you think if we just didn't talk for two minutes? And I was so scared to say it because everybody was just buzzing with conversation. And it went completely still and quiet. And we just walked slowly in silence. And all of a sudden, we saw the eagle coming down. And it was so magical. <laughs> so when you think about things that we do in life, you know, whether it's the sunset or just lying in bed or a warm drink or savoring some food or a kiss or whatever it is that we might just quickly pass through, just taking those extra few seconds to breathe through it, to use our different senses. What do I smell? What do I see? What do I feel? What do I hear? It can really, really bring up little pieces of magic into an otherwise normal day. I love how you described that. And you just asked for two minutes and you got 15 because people were so in awe of just viewing what was going on around them. Mm -hmm. Okay, let's move on to I. I stands for inspiration. And lots of people ask, how do you stay inspired? And my answer is always people. I find people just so fascinating and the stories that they have to share. I think it comes to asking questions that make people answer things. That's great. My new favorite question is, what's something that you love to talk about that you hardly ever get the opportunity to talk about? And so really neat things have come up as a result of asking questions like that. Being purposeful, intentional, and deliberate. Inspiration might just fall on your lap and great, but it might not. You might have to go out and seek it and look for it and, and cause it to happen and ingest it. And it means like to breathe into, to inspire. Beautiful. I need to constantly be inspired or it's not just a once a year conference. It's not a once a month podcast. It's a constant daily need that I have that I look for ways to fulfill. And it's important that we should all do that too. I mean, they do talk about for overall health, that the social interaction is really important. So have really neat conversations with other people. It's, it's good for you. It's super good for you. And falling into that, my F is fun, which is, again, fun might just fall on your lap, but you also might just have to go out there and seek it and make it happen and surround yourself with people who are fun. And when is the last time you did something really fun? And what was it? What kind of things are fun to you? Do you need a list to put in your back pocket? When's the last time you did something that made you laugh or giggle or brought you just pure joy that didn't have a purpose? Laughter is the best medicine. So when we're doing something fun, at least it's making us smile, if not making us laugh, depending on what it is that we're doing. And you know, we can combine like all of these things together. And our last one is the E is for energy. 
when I'm sitting down at the computer to work, I set my alarm for an hour. And at that hour, I need to get up and I do something that will put some more energy into my brain, into my body. And sometimes that thing is music. So I'll put on a dance song and I just have my own little dance party. So set your alarm for an hour or a reasonable amount of time, because I don't know about you, but when you're in front of that computer or doing what like hours can go by and that's not a healthy way to be right. So whether it's just getting up to get yourself a drink of water or doing something to restore that energy. What a great idea. You're inspired to get up to move. You're going to have fun doing it and you're doing all this to create energy in your body. Your life is fantastic. Thank you. And the other thing you can do, a lot of the research points to this as well, because we talked about being out in nature, right? Well, you can't always go out in nature on your 10 minute break. But for me, I work from home and I often walk to work. So I will go for like a 15 minute walk before I start work in the morning. And I go for a 15 minute walk at the end of the day. And it's like, I walked to work. I walked home from work. If you can't do that, just look out a window. They say, look in the horizon, right? Be looking up instead of always looking down looking at something green, even pictures of something green is inspiring. And there's lots of ways to combine all these things together. But I think it's just bringing it top of mind. Again, you might wait (laughs) for energy to just pop into your body. (laughs) But probably you'll have a lot more success if you're like, you know what, I need to be purposeful, intentional and deliberate about this. The great thing about drinking the water is then you got to get up to go to the bathroom. Also, that's a bonus. While I'm up, hey, let's put on a good song and shimmy around a little bit for three minutes. A song lasts for three minutes. You'll sit down, you'll feel better. You just will. So many of us love to dance. <laughs> the music is so good for us on so many levels. Consider making a playlist of energy songs or call it something that, that's going to help you mood lift. Before we go, Steph, is there anything else you want to add? Actually, I wrote a little poem. I give, I receive, I help, I ask. I rush, I work, I plan, I earn. I flit, I fly, I rush life by. But today I stopped, I paused, I waited. I enjoyed, I exhaled, I appreciated. I took a moment, some extra time. I lingered about and made it mine. It felt like it was a luxury, something special just for me. It led me down a surprising path. I didn't question and no one asked. So I think I'll linger on some more and remember what life is really for. A kiss, a warm drink, an evening stroll, when life gets heavy and takes its toll. Lingering an extra minute, placing a smile firmly in it. Life is not an unending race. Today I linger at a gentle pace. Beautiful. Thank you. This is Stephanie Staples and I am always encouraging you to live your life unlimited. Meditation Moment. May Globus is a certified sound therapy practitioner and founder of OTO Healing in Vancouver, British Columbia. This healing modality is a blending of art and science, culture and intuition. All of these different instruments are attuned to different notes, which are also attuned to different energy centers of the body. And when you play them together, it allows your body to become more relaxed, allows your nervous system to become more relaxed as well, and brings down your stress hormone, which is called the cortisol. And all of these tones can help bring the frequency of your body back to homeostasis. If everybody wants to close their eyes and take a deep breath in from your belly and let it go. Another deep breath in, letting it go. 
And one more deep breath in and let it go. Life is challenging, and choosing wellness in our daily lives may seem like adding to the already long to-do list. But together, we can make it easier. On the next Choosing Wellness, helping you get a better night's sleep, talking brain math with Stephanie Staples, and getting the skinny on melatonin as well as other ideas to get better Z's. I'm Linda Freeman. Let's connect again soon as together we take the journey of choosing wellness. 
You've been listening to Choosing Wellness, an initiative powered by Pattison Media, designed to inspire and motivate a healthy life. For more information on this program, go to pattisonmedia.com and everythinglifestyle.ca. Another Everything Podcast production. Visit everythingpodcast.com. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.